In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... The Betches Brides Podcast, a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who are stressed. Because after all, it's only one day of your life. All right. Hello, Betches Brides. Welcome back to another episode. I'm your host, Nicole Pellegrino. And before we get into it, I just have to tell you guys about our new Betches Brides merch coming out. Yes, that's right. We have new merch and our existing amazing merch that you know and love. Uh, So we have a new notebook. We have straws for your bachelorette party that go perfectly with our drink pouches for your bachelorette parties and bridal showers and whatnot. And we have the most adorable bride and groom matching crew neck sweatshirts coming out. Stay tuned because Mike and I are ordering them and going to be wearing them like every single day. So go to Betches.co slash bridesmerch to check it all out. And I am here with a very exciting guest. I have Jen Glantz here with me. Um, Jen, you do so many things. We'll just go through some of them and let me know if I miss any because literally you're a woman of many trades. Um, So you're the founder of Bridesmaid for Hire. So you basically invented the concept of hiring a bridesmaid for your wedding. Yes, I did. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Which is literally crazy. And we're going to get all into it because I I literally reference... we. So just to give the listeners context, if you haven't listened yet, go back and listen to our episode with Jen back in 2019. I literally reference it on random episodes all the time because it's just one of my favorite episodes of Betches Brides of all time. So we're going to kind of be a little redundant because I definitely want our new listeners to like hear about that. But before we get into all of that... Um, so you're a podcast host as well. Yes, yes. I've been podcasting for about four years. You're not getting any younger, which just helps people mess up their lives a little bit. We love that. We love, And I just love the name. You're not getting any younger because I, I just love that. Um, and then you're also an author and creator of <clears throat> the book and course, corresponding blog, Finally the Bride, where basically, correct me if wrong, but you let your audience kind of plan your whole wedding. Yeah. Every detail. And we, you know, we talked about it last time and that was pre-pandemic and they were planning this giant wedding for me. And then after the pandemic happened, they've stuck around to sort of fix things up and plan the elopement. So yeah, it's, they're planning all of this during the pandemic too. I love that. I love, so your audience basically got to be a Corona bride with you, which is kind of And like, they didn't sign up for that. Right. They were like planning a wedding for strangers easy. And then they sort of fell into all of this pandemic mess, (laughs) which is awesome. That's awesome. You got to pull them into your like year of stress. I, that's a good idea, honestly. And then now finally you are married. So we are going to get into all of that. So they're always the bridesmaid. Finally, the bride. So basically, um, let's start at the very beginning. Bridesmaid for Hire, aka the thing I'm most fascinated in this world by because I just think it's so innovative and so cool. So how did you start this? Tell us about the beginning of that. So like most people listening to the show in my early 20s, I was always the bridesmaid for my friends. There was one year where I had 12 friends ask me to be a bridesmaid and it became something that took up all of my time. And eventually after a couple of years of that, there was one night in particular where two people I was hardly friends with, like the kind of people you speak to like once in a while, two of those kind of people asked me to be a bridesmaid in the same night. And my roommate was like, Jen, you have become a professional. And that's when I got this idea to see if strangers would hire me to be their bridesmaid, put an ad on Craigslist, the ad blew up. And within two days, I started the business Bridesmaid for Hire, where six years later, hundreds of strangers around the world have hired me to show up at their wedding, pretend to be their best friend from a time in their life. And it's become a full-blown business. Oh my God. And so, yeah, this has become like, a a full-on company, like you've hired employees and everything. 
Oh my good. Yeah. So a lot of people are like, Hey Jen, we want you plus other people. So over the past six years, I've had a hundred thousand people apply to work for me and I have hired and fired along the way. Oh my goodness. That's insane. So tell us kind of like what the typical like package looks like as like, if I'm a bride, I want to hire you as my bridesmaid. Well, first of all, what, like, what's the main reason that they hire a bridesmaid? A lot of people hear this idea and they're like, who in the world would hire you? But there's really two types of people. And I understand them both. Person number one has no friends. And let's be real. That sounds weird. But as you grow up, as you go higher in your 20s, you start to grow away from people. So some people reach out and they're like, hey, we don't have any close friends. We need you. And then there's people who have a lot of friends. They have like the 10 core bridesmaids, but their friends are a mess and they want that professional to come in and manage the chaos of their friends. So there's two types of people on different ends of the spectrum. Right, right. And that's so funny. The the, uh, person number two, I could see our audience really resonating with because just to give context, the Betches Brides audience will write into us all the time asking for like advice on how to deal with their bridesmaids. Their bridesmaids aren't really stepping up to the plate and aren't really helping. And they're, you know, these brides are like, I have these great friends thought they'd be amazing bridesmaids, but turns out they're not doing shit for my wedding. Oh yeah. So that I could see a lot of those coming in. So Okay. So you get hired. What's kind of like, how much do you work with the bride leading up to the wedding? Do you, you know, go to the events? What do you, is it kind of all different things? Is it like a case by case basis? How does that look like? Yeah. And you know, it's crazy because a lot of people hear this business and they're like, I don't get it. And then after they get married, they're like, I wish I knew this business existed because I have friends, but it's so much work for them or they don't show up for me. So a lot of people will hire me anywhere between a month before their wedding and a year before their wedding. And a lot of what we'll do together is everything from figuring out family dynamics to assessing drama, to going to their bachelorette party, to going wedding dress shopping with them, to just talking to them like you would a real friend going through wedding plans because everyone who is planning a wedding needs someone to talk to about it. And sometimes your friends don't want to hear about it anymore. So a big part Mm -hmm. of my job are these hour-long phone sessions where they vent to me. And I'm that third-party unbiased person who's like, let's talk about all your wedding stress. So that's a lot of before the wedding. And then on the actual wedding, I'm there anywhere between six hours to 18 hours that day, helping the bride with all of the people issues, with making sure she feels good. I am not a wedding planner. I will not set up your flowers. I will not plan your party, Mm -hmm. but I am there to sort of just help you and support you, which is so different than anything else in the wedding industry. Right. That's, that's what I was going to ask. Like, it sounds when you said like, you know, I start with a year prior helping, it sounds like a planner, but basically the difference between you and a planner is you are there for the interpersonal issues and the people issues, which is perfect for this podcast. Cause that's like a lot of the stuff we answer. And a lot of the questions, you know, Jordana and I, my co-host always say like, we're not wedding planning experts. Like we are planning our own weddings, but we're not experts, but we have opinions and have friends and have like, I guess, expert opinions at this point on how to deal with like people and all the weird interpersonal things that go into weddings. So that's why you're the perfect guest for this podcast. Well, it's so crazy because like also a lot of the advice out there is so outdated and it's like all of this wedding etiquette that like so doesn't apply in 20, let's say 2019 and definitely doesn't apply in 2020 and 2021. So without those people who are like, hey, here's like the new problems we're having and here's how to solve them. You're so lost. You're so, so, so lost. Right. What are some of the just like craziest scenarios or craziest things you've witnessed doing being a professional bridesmaid? I think before the job, I didn't think cold feet was real. I thought cold feet was something that you just saw in movies or like you heard about. But from year one to year six, I witnessed cold feet all of the time, anywhere between a couple of weeks before the wedding to five minutes before the wedding starts. Like it's real. And I think a lot of people are scared by it or weirded out by it, but you have to sort of understand it's like this build up, build up, build up. And then you're there and you're about to do the thing and you get hit with this emotion of, oh my God, I don't want to do it anymore. So it's real. Mm -hmm. And I think it should be sort of normalized a little bit. 
And I, I could see brides feeling comfortable like coming to you for that because again, you are this like hired bridesmaid there. You're not there. You're an unbiased opinion. Like you're not their friend who's known them and going to have judgments. Like they probably feel like they can come to you more. Um, yeah. I remember one of the craziest things that I remember when we first talked to you and kind of learned about this whole business, I remember being like, that's cr- you, you were saying how you have like, you kind of remain anonymous in a way, or I guess the word is, for that is like um undercover undercover bridesmaid like you don't let the family members know first of all can you tell me a why you think that's more helpful to do than just straight out be like i'm i'm the bridesmaid that the bride hired and be like just all about that like how do you actually swing that and pull it off i think there's so many layers within a wedding that when people hire me the art of then telling people and confessing, yeah, Jen's hired. She's a hired friend. It's just too much for them to have to process and deal with. So it's almost easier for them to be like, you know what? I'm going to hire you. We're going to lie about it. The person I'm marrying is going to think you're a real friend from childhood. And then later in their life, maybe they'll expose the fact that they did this. But I sort of understand it, even though a lot of people hear that and they're like, how could you lie to the person you're marrying? It's less of a lie and more of you just getting a service that you personally need to make it through this adventure. So a lot of times what happens is when I first work with the client, we'll figure out how they want me to know them. So do you want me to know you from middle school, from yoga class, from like what area of your life can we pull this off so that there's not going to be people at your wedding who are going to be like, wait, Jen was not in fifth grade with me. And then from there, we start to develop the backstory, who I am, what my name is, what facts I should know about you. And I study these people. I study the street addresses of where I'm supposed to know them from. And I study what their favorite food was. And like, I literally get to know them as if we were friends and it's a tolling process because you're building a relationship that eventually has a deadline, which is just so weird. So weird. Yeah. Cause you, do you keep in touch with the brides after or cause you do build a relationship with them? It's weird because I've worked with hundreds of people and the majority, you just don't, you know, the majority either don't want to stay in touch with you or you don't want to stay in touch with them, but there are a select few that I have been friends with, but it's very, very few. Has there ever been a case where like, you know, you're at a wedding event, pre-wedding event or at your at that wedding and the brides, like family members or friends kind of like grill you and they're like, wait, how do you know? And and have they ever like caught on ever? Yes, that is like the toughest time at a wedding when someone's like, hey, where, who are you? Where have you been? Why haven't I ever seen you before? You say you're from here. Where do you, like, they, they question you and you have to get really good at deflecting, which I've been good at my whole life. Like I'm so good at this skill. So if someone's like, Hey, like I've never met you before. I always have a comeback for it. The one time I almost got caught was someone asked me if they could be my Instagram friend. And I was so excited in the moment. I was like, yeah, we're vibing. And then I was like, wait, they can't know that I'm Jen Glantz. So I like pulled up Instagram and then fumbled for a second. And I think they like sort of saw my real name, but most of the time I just deflect. I deflect. Yeah. Oh, so you've literally become a professional deflector. That's skill to have too. That's awesome. I know. (laughs) So real quick back to like the day of, so you, are you literally like getting ready with the bride, like doing everything that the typical bridesmaid would do and just kind of like going about all of that? Like, what is your kind of wedding day of routine look like? I'm usually the first person the bride will see in the morning. I get there super early and I'm there for her almost like the maid of honor would be. I'm there to wake her up. I'm there to bring her the first mimosa. I'm there to help her get in her dress. I'm getting in my bridesmaid dress while she's getting her hair curled. I'm getting my hair curled. I'm also managing the other bridesmaids sometimes secretly to make sure that they're on track, that they're not starting drama. I can't tell you how many bridesmaids think the wedding is about them and they'll freak out because their hair didn't come out right and they want it really done. So rather than the bride freak out about that, I'm the one that's like, all right, come here, let's handle it. So while I'm getting all the fun parts of being a bridesmaid done, I'm also dealing with so much dirty work. So it's almost like multitasking. That is probably one of our like main questions we always get is just like how to deal with other bridesmaids in the bridal party that just love to stir up drama for fun or just love to be like divas and think that it's their own bachelorette or their own wedding or what what have you. So like what are some just like general tips for dealing with those crazy 
drama seekers. You know, there's a lot of them. I feel like everyone talks about bridezillas, like the bride is the one that brings the drama. But honestly, in my six years, I've seen more bridesmaids who are bringing the drama, who think it's their wedding or who just act like it is. So I think you need one person in the bridal party to be that person to sort of almost be the bodyguard and be like, hey, Melissa, like your hair doesn't look good. I agree. But like, this is not about you. Take the freaking curling iron, fix it and move on. Like you need one person who's going to intercept the drama so the bride never knows about it. I mean, a lot of us have been to weddings where there's like been a lot of drama that happens and the bride never knows that's a good wedding. Right. So you need that Mm -hmm. bodyguard kind of person. And honestly, that person does deserve money because it's a hard job. So So I see now I see like, you know, the whole point behind your business. Um, That is so awesome. I feel like we could literally talk about bridesmaid for bridesmaid for hire for literally a whole episode. And I would love to. We need to do another one to go like deep into all the aspects of it. But basically, so um, before we move on to the other exciting parts of your life, um, so Bridesmaid for Hire has grown to how many people did you say? So at any time we have between five to 15 people who are working for us. And we also have training courses to teach people how to start this same business in their local city as well. I was going to say, because I put up a thing on Instagram asking for questions for you. And other people were like, a couple people were like, oh, yeah, I'm a professional bridesmaid now, too. And I know you were the very first to do it. Um, But are, are you seeing like a lot of other professional bridesmaids pop up? I'm seeing people who want to do it. I get emails all day, every day, people who are like, I want to do this. I want to do this. And I teach them how, but then I think the barrier of entry is they start to, they start to want to do it. And they're like, wait, I have to show up at a person's wedding and work it. And I think like that part might make people sort of not want to do it. So I think people are trying to do it, but I do think there is a level of, wow, this is different than I thought it was. People think it's such a glamorous job, but then they maybe go to a wedding and they're like, oh my goodness. So yeah, I think there's a lot of other people who have tried to do it. Yeah. And I was going to say, I just remembered this. You, I remember you saying you don't get to drink when you go to these things, right? No, oh I'm God. sober so for the bachelorette sober. party. Yeah, for the wedding. <gasps> like, I don't touch alcohol because to me, it's my full time job. It's my real job. And you're dealing right. with constant stress, pressure, trauma, like, tr- like challenges. You don't want to drink for that. So you're completely sober, which I think a lot of people don't realize at all. Right, right. And are people still actually hiring you as the bridesmaid or is it more because you've grown up, grown, obviously, you've blown up and become like, you know, this well-known person sensation, of course. Um, So are they hiring you as much or is it like they're, you know, they're hiring other people who can be more undercover? A lot of people still want me. And if I'm unavailable, maybe they'll have somebody else on my team. But a lot of people, when they reach out, they request me because I started it. I've been doing it the longest, but I am doing far less weddings now than when I first started. When I first started, I was working two a weekend some years. Now I'm almost seven years into the business. So I'm more selective of which ones I will go to just because like you get burned out. It's it's really a tough job. I mean, imagine going to 50 plus weddings a year working this job, you get exhausted. Oh my God. And it's not even just the weddings. It's all the lead up events. It's all that. And sober. I mean, you literally, I I don't know what your rates are or prices and you don't have to, you know, spit them out on this podcast, but I, that you can charge a good amount because that is a time commitment. Like that is crazy. Well, that guys, if you want to know more about Bridesmaid for Hire, because they go in like very deep, go listen to our episode um, from 2019. But that was just a good little taste. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly, Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. So Newly is a subscription clothing rental service for just $98 a month. You can get your choice of any six styles. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. There are no parameters. You get access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There are no fees. There's no late fees, no damage fees, no fees to pause or cancel. So no big deal if you like lose a button. Uh Oh, I spilled something on it. Or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing all the way up to 5X. 
as well as petite and maternity. You always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BRIDES20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code BRIDES20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code BRIDES20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. So now I want to talk about your relationship. You got married. How was that? Tell us all about the wedding. Actually, no, start telling us how you and Adam met. Adam's his name, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So tell us how you met and then we'll get into all the wedding talk. So in 2016, this was almost two years after I started my business. I was single. I couldn't meet anybody, not even at these weddings. And I went to a singles Valentine's Day party at a club in New York City And I met a psychic and I sat down with the psychic and I was like, tell me about my future love life. And the psychic said, Jen, you are never going to find love, which is like the worst thing you could hear from a psychic. And after she said that, I felt so defeated. I felt so bad, but I'm the kind of person that like, if someone tells me I can't find something or do something, I go nuts. So I ended up doing this challenge for myself where I went on 14 Mm -hmm. dates in one month. So I would go on four to five dates a day, all coffee dates. They were horrible. I met nobody I ever wanted to see again. I went to delete my dating app because I was done. I was going to believe the psychic and give up. And I got one outstanding message from somebody who asked me to meet them at a coffee shop in Manhattan. I reluctantly said yes. And date 15 ended up being Adam, who is now my husband. So it was a whirlwind of an adventure sort of. That is persistence at its finest. And it shows that it pays off clearly. Um, So there was something you guys, before you got married, you did a little, um, a little vacay kind of thing. You sold 90% of your belongings and lived in like all different cities for two years. Can you tell me about that experience? Because honestly, when I read that, I was like, Mike and I would have probably broken up. We <laughs> like, you have to be a special type of couple to be able to do that and then result in staying together. So tell us all about that. I think when we started to date and we started to get serious, I started to realize like, I can't be on this fast track. You know, I work weddings, I've seen everything and we had been dating a year. We were about to move in together and I panicked. I was like, I can't do this. So we both worked from home at the time. We were both solo employed. So we ended up saying, you know what, rather than moving in together, we're going to mess up our life a little bit. We sold everything. And for two entire years, we lived in new cities every 30 days. We lived in Portland, Austin, Denver, Chicago, LA, like everywhere. Uh, And it was less of a test of the relationship and more of an adventure, more of something to prove to me, like settling down doesn't mean, you know, moving in with the person and like following a timeline, settling down can mean so many different things when you're with the person you enjoy. So I think it strengthened our relationship and it eased me into the process of getting married because my view on marriage was so shaken up from my job. That's amazing. And honestly, that sound I know a lot of couples are like doing similar things because everybody's working from home now and like moving to different areas. And like it does, I guess, bring you closer and get you ready for marriage because you're getting that kind of like out of your system before you get to have to settle. And you never have to settle. I don't know what I'm saying. No, I know. That term is so is so tricky, that term, because like you hear the term settling down and you're like, yeah, am I settling? You know, like all these terms people say to you, it just like messes with your thought process. Like you're never settling down. Mm -hmm. You're just like finding someone who is as fun as you or gives you that adventure in life. And like, that's what I live for. So I almost needed something like this. I get the question all the time because we live up in Hoboken, New Jersey, right outside of Manhattan, close to, you know, Betch's headquarters when it was open. We're hopefully going back to the office at the end of the year. Who knows when exactly? Whatever. But um, I mean, I get the question all the time when where are you and Mike going to settle? And I'm like, can you stop? Like that question stresses me out so much. I don't know. Like, what if we like, what does that even mean? And clearly it's brainwashed me, too, because I'm like, you got that out of your system before you could settle. So, oh, my God, I feel like you guys should do a list of things that people should stop saying 
to people getting married, you know? And like, where are you going to settle down? Like everything, because like the questions never end. And the questions, especially in a pandemic too, are so stressful because like you don't have answers. And when you don't have answers, the people in your life make you feel bad, you know, but like, there's no such thing as a timeline. There's no such thing as like a track you have to be on, like whatever about your biological clock. I think it's more so like what you want. And this comes to wedding planning too. Like you don't need to have all of this stuff, but you need to sort of figure out what you want and you're going to piss people off. That's like rule number one of life, especially as a woman, like going to piss people off with your decisions, but at least make them ones that you like that you're proud of. Exactly. And the and too, like, just don't care what people think. Like, don't think you have to like settle down and start having kids at age 30 precisely on the dot because like people are doing that also. Like it's it, you're, you're exactly right. Like right when basically right when the guy in gate or the person proposes, you start getting questions. You start getting when's the wedding? Where's the wedding? How many people? Questions about the wedding before you even have a chance to process. And then you start getting the questions of like, so where, when are you having kids? Where are you settling? What like it's just too much and it overwhelms it us, especially in these uncertain times, like you said. Yeah. Uh, no, I I feel like you know you're right. Like the second you get engaged, you're supposed to have all these answers. And some people do, but most people are like, I have no ideas. And then you start agreeing to things you don't really want. And then before you know it, you've planned this like massive wedding that is like, you're also your worst nightmare and it's too late to back out of. So I feel like if anyone is listening and they're not engaged or they know somebody who might be getting engaged soon, tell them, warn them to not say yes, to not engage in any type of Mm -hmm. conversation about your decisions for at least a month. Like have a go-to thing you say, which is like, thanks so much. Like we're still figuring it out. Talk to you soon. Like have that ready to go wear on a t-shirt because you're going to get hit Mm -hmm. with so much stress and pressure, especially like front loaded at the start of your engagement. Right, right. Squash those questions. So speaking of engagements, so how did Adam propose? Like, how did that all go down? Uh, Yeah. I'm like a very type A person. So I thought he was going to propose at the spot of our first date. So I like thought I had like an idea of when it was going to happen. And that (laughs) weekend I got my hair done, my nails done. And then like Saturday came and he was like, let's like go for a walk around the neighborhood. And I was like, wait, are we not getting engaged? Like I actually said that I was like, are you kidding me? I like spent all this money to look good. And he looked at me, he's like engaged. He's like, what are you talking about? So then the next weekend we ended up going to Florida to visit my family and he wanted to go take a walk on the beach. I was taking a nap at the time and was like, I'm not going to go with you. Like, leave me alone. And he eventually convinced me to go for this walk on the beach with him. And we pull up to the beach. It's like a really meaningful spot to us. We pull up and we're walking on the beach. I see a photographer. I see all these flowers. And I turn to Adam and I'm like, oh my God, Adam, someone's getting engaged and we're here to watch it. Like, I was so excited. And he put his arm around me and he was like, no, Jen, you're getting engaged. (laughs) And it was just like this overwhelming moment of like, it's I'm getting engaged. Like it was just like so incredible and beautiful. And I finally, finally, like I couldn't even predict the bridesmaid. Yeah. Yeah. I just remember, like I was hysterically crying. There was a photographer there and it was just, it was so beautiful and meaningful and unexpected. Amazing. So, okay. Tell me about your whole wedding, your weddings. If there's a future one that if there's a reception later, you know, I want to know all the details. I know you started planning a wedding, obviously COVID ruined all of our lives. Um, But just tell me about all the wedding stuff. I feel like just like you, we had planned a wedding for October, 2020. Oh yeah. And we sent out out the save the dates, like March 3rd, 2020. And the save the dates Mm -hmm. went out. And then I was like, oh no, very soon. I was like, this isn't going to happen. I just felt it in my, (laughs) my body. So by like late April, we sent out the cancellation cards and as the, oh, so you knew early, you know, you were smart. I was getting married in Florida. And I was like, Florida, I don't know about Florida. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, I don't know. So we just were like, you know what? Like, I don't want, I don't know where the year is going to go, but I just don't see this happening or at least the way we would want it to. So let's cancel now. And the early, thank God we canceled early because we got a lot of money back because we'd only paid like a couple deposits. So we canceled super early. And then as the year went by, 
the pressure kicked in. Everyone wanted to know what was our plan. And I'm like, it's a pandemic. Like, how am I supposed to plan? So we didn't have a plan. I went through my phases of like, I want nothing. I don't even want to get married or I want a huge wedding. Like I went through a roller coaster and then we had Mm -hmm. always wanted to get married on the anniversary of our first date. We had always wanted to do that, which was March 19th. And I think like mid-February, we had thought about, should we do it? Should we just sort of like elope on the anniversary of our first date? A big part of me said no, because a lot of our friends, our parents couldn't be there. So it would just be us doing this. And I felt guilty. A week before March 19th, I just had this moment where I felt we did a pro-con list, which is so nerdy, but like it really helped me decide I just had this moment where I was like, I don't want to put this off any longer. I don't know what the year is going to look like. I've always wanted to get married on this date. Getting married, by the way, is different than a wedding. They are two separate things, though. Most people combine them. Yes. They're two separate things. So like, I almost thought like, it's okay to be a little selfish about this marriage part because it's special for us. So within one week, we had agreed to get married. We had made his brother an officiant to marry us. We went to, we decided to do it outside of the coffee shop. We had our first date, which is literally a sidewalk in New York city. And we planned this whole thing in one week, which is like, so not my my dream wedding or anything. And it was just a marriage. I call it like the marriage moment. It looked gorgeous. We'll we'll actually by the time this episode airs, we'll post your photos on the feed Yay. so the bride's audience can see. Um, I I know you sent photos. It looked so it looked gorgeous. You had this stunning jumpsuit with like be uh, sequin jumpsuit on. I mean that looked like an elopement ceremony that had been planned for a while. I cannot believe you threw it together in one week. Oh That's my awesome. god! I mean even for the outfit like. I had no idea what to wear. I probably spent like eight hours throughout the course of a week searching. I knew I wanted to wear sequins. I knew I wanted to wear a suit. I overnighted so many sequin suits just to find the perfect one. But like we literally had less than a week to throw it together. And it ended up being so perfect and also a moment of karma because I always felt so much pressure to know what I wanted as this professional bridesmaid. And here I was with a week to go, cutting out all yeah. of the things I thought I wanted and planning this like stripped down beautiful moment that I never could have predicted. So in tandem during all of this, you're doing Finally the Bride, where it's a book, it's I think are you post you're posting on Instagram and your followers and fans are choosing your decisions for you. So are they like, what were they choosing during all of this? And how was that working into the mix? So finally, the bride started off as voting where strangers were voting on my wedding. They helped me plan everything about the October wedding in 2020. And when I had to cancel it for the next couple of months at the end of 2020, it was the conversations of like, Hey, should I just elope on March 19th? Should we just do this? Where should we do this? Who would be the officiant? So from January to March, everything they voted on was like, hey, should we do this? And I got an overwhelming amount of people who were like, Jen, yes. just get married. Stop asking mm-hmm. us even. Like, just do it. We support you. We think this is awesome. And I felt so much encouragement from all of these strangers that it just put me over the edge to say yes. And I know that sounds weird, but it almost was like I had the opinion of people all over the world, some not married, some married, who were just pushing me to do what I thought was right. And it was just amazing. And they helped me sort of pick some decisions last minute for this, which was so awesome as well. Honestly, I I can totally see that. It doesn't sound weird at all. Like uh, during this time, like you need that's why like our Betches Rides audience, they're like, please put up a poll asking people if I should do this or this because it's like you want people's opinions in that sense. And um, I, I was going to say I'm seeing from our audience like the most overwhelming thing that people are doing. People are just doing the weddings they and all throughout 2020 they just did you know tiny 10 person or less weddings that they're in their backyards or marriages i guess because yeah. they're two separate things and then so a lot of people are doing that and a lot of people are saying you know i'm done that's my only thing we're married time to move on with our lives yeah. on the flip side a lot of people are replanning this reception is that what you were doing as well you know what? Like I'm a big believer in dates and traditions. And I told, I told Adam, I'm like, look, why don't we do 
something on March 19th for the rest of our lives. Like, why don't we do some sort of party on March 19th? Hopefully next year, it could be a big, large scale party, but hopefully in the future, like, why don't we always just make a celebration on that date? So I think rather than me committing to like, okay, I'm going to have the wedding next year because who knows what it's going to look like next year. I'm just committing to like every March 19th in honor of our marriage to throw some sort of party. Maybe it'll take us years to maybe have a party in every state our friends and family are in so no one has to travel. But like, that's what I think I want to do just because it's so hard to commit to anything. And I don't want to go through the motion of canceling. Like if you are a 2020 bride who had to cancel or postpone, that's a lot of pressure and stress you're carrying with you. I feel you like it's a lot to have to plan and cancel and you don't want to do it again. You know, a lot of people, like a lot of people for me personally, because everybody knows at this point I am postponing, like picked up the wedding, all the vendors, the venue and put it on September 4th of this year, hoping it can still happen. Like as of right this moment, it's only 150 people allowed. Um, and we have a little bit over that. But other than that, like obviously we're wearing masks, social distancing, all that kind of stuff. But with everybody getting vaccinated now, it's it's looking a lot better. Like we're not going to have to have like a straight up COVID wedding in September. But I mean, that's the thing. It's like there we were all of us Corona brides were left with like literally just the, this, nothing has ever happened like this before. We've never had to face a pandemic. So, I mean, I was like, everybody do what you got to do. Like and thank God, like wedding vendors and stuff for the most part or at least for me, were so understanding and kind of just let me like transfer over deposits and stuff. Yeah. But um, I mean, for a lot of the people that are doing what you did, which is, you know, have the small wedding and then get married and have a or have the small wedding and the, where you actually get married and then have like a celebration later. I think that's so smart because honestly, first, you won't have to deal with all the uncertainty for the mm-hmm. celebration later. Second, you might be able to cut costs. I think of a very like money point of view here because literally weddings are so effing expensive, but you might be able to cut costs a little bit, especially if you were able to like get money back for your first big wedding plan. Whereas like me, I had already put deposits down. Mm. So I was like, if I do plan this elopement ceremony and then this ceremony later, I'm going to end up spending kind of like the same, if not a little more, So that's where I was like, okay, let's just effing postpone and just do one. But for you, like, I mean, and other brides listening next year, when you do your celebration, you can like, it doesn't have to be as like fancy as your typical wedding. You don't need like a $700 wedding cake. I mean, and you don't need that stuff anyways for a typical wedding. But like, I don't know. I just think it's you have the chance now to like make it a really fun, unconventional, whatever you want it to be like celebration kind of. Oh, yeah. I mean, even like the wedding we ended up planning in October became so much of what I didn't want. But like, I just did it all right. And like when well, it yeah, got canceled, you had I- people choosing for you. Yeah. But also like, I was like, Ooh, the cake, I want the, like, you know, and I just lost myself. I lost myself. And so when it got canceled, people were like, are you okay? And I was like, I feel really happy. And I know that sounds weird. Like people were like, do you, are you happy? Do you love Adam? And I'm like, you don't understand. Like I'm (laughs) I'm sort of happy because I get like a fresh start, but I will say like, you know, I want to be completely transparent, even though we did do that elopement thing in March, we pissed people off. Like my own family couldn't be there. My closest friends couldn't be there. People were really upset. We had some people over zoom, but because we did it so last minute with less than a week, honestly, we forgot to invite really key people. We forgot to invite (laughs) Adam's grandma to the zoom, you know, because like, it was so rushed. So like, it was awesome in the moment. It was the most incredible moment of one of my life. Like just the moment that me and Adam were together. But when that moment was zoomed out, like we pissed a lot of people off. Yeah. So you sort of have to remember that. Like, even if you do what you want, there's going to be people who try to convince you not to, or who you piss off. So you have to also know that that's a reality with all of this right now. Right. And on the flip side, like as a person who knows a couple that is going through the uncertainty of wedding planning right now. You also have to be a little understanding. Like if you are Adam's grandma, not even just her, maybe she's a little pissed because she's grandmas have the right to be pissed. 
But if you are Adam's grandma or somebody like that, you do have to be a little understanding. Like it's a lot to have to. And, you know, I'm obviously the point of view of the couple going through this, but it is a lot. And I like with people that I know getting married right now, like if I've been uninvited to something or whatever, I'm like, that is completely fine. You do you. You do what you need. I mean, it's just a very stressful time for it is. For all. And you, I feel like you, I feel like wedding brain is like a real thing. Like, for example, I'm the professional, right? But I ordered these like extensive flowers for myself. Like last minute, I rushed to order them in a day. I left the flowers at home. Like I completely left my flowers at home <laughs> and they weren't at the ceremony. And like, it's just because my brain was not functioning normally. Yeah. And it's okay. So wedding like, brain is the new real. pregnancy brain. You know how they say pregnancy brain? <laughs> yeah. Like, I honestly think yeah. it's so real because like when the moment was over, I was like, Jen, how could you have like forgotten all of this stuff? But forgive yourself. Like when I showed up to the ceremony without my flowers that I spent $250 on, I was like, you know what? It's okay. Like, it's okay. So I think like be forgiving of mm-hmm. yourself and also be forgiving of other people and let yourself like piss people off because that's going to happen too. Right, right. I just feel like you said something at one point that triggered me because I do feel like I this past year and wedding planet and seeing all these weddings and and just like marriages happen, elopements happen throughout the pandemic has made me just like see weddings so differently, like and kind of just not like I'm still having a big ish wedding, but it's actually I'm thankful for in a way. I can't believe I'm saying this. Thankful for the past year plus at this point, because it's given me this new perspective that like you don't need to fully stress over every little detail, like have fun with it. Life is short. You only live once. Like it's given me that perspective more. And also just like, I don't know, whatever happens, happens. Like if if the wedding doesn't end up being perfect, that's okay. If you end up pissing people off, that's okay. It's just kind of, you know, do what makes you happy. And and I think a lot of brides are feeling more empowered to do that lately just because, you know, just yeah. because of the world. But it makes me happy. It makes me happy because like, I think, you know, I was really honest about this, but like after we got married, everyone was like, are you so happy? And I was like, Yes, but I'm not the happiest I've ever been. Like the happiest I think I ever was when I was when I met Adam or when I realized this relationship mm-hmm. was going somewhere or when like I knew I loved him. Signing the marriage license is so anticlimactic. Like you're signing a piece <laughs> of paper that legally binds you to the other person and their debt and their right. life. So like it's a wonderful, beautiful moment, but it's not necessarily the best day of your life. And when you realize that and you realize when you're planning a wedding, you're planning a party, you're planning a celebration, like that's Literally. what you should focus on. Not not it being the best, because it might not be the best, but it should be just like the most epic party you want to plan. And that's it. That's it. Right. That is the perspective we all need. So whenever you guys listening are getting stressed, just think about that. It's literally a party. Like we can't, we shouldn't be stressing ourselves out over this effing party. No. Okay. So before we end, I had a bunch, since you're literally like the bridesmaid expert, um, I had a bunch of questions from the audience that were just kind of around like bridesmaid etiquette, which we get so many questions about all the time, uh, but for you specifically. So I was thinking we could just kind of like quickly rapid fire go through some of them. Yes. Uh, so yeah, bridesmaid etiquette. So the first one, can you unask somebody to be a bridesmaid? 1000%. And I think you can also decline being a bridesmaid after you said yes. So how do you ask someone to be a bridesmaid? You let them know as soon as you're having that feeling that it's not working, that you want to talk to them and let them know that you appreciate all the effort they put into it. At this time, you think that it's best if they're not your bridesmaid and you leave it at that. You keep it simple. You don't over have, you don't over have to communicate anything to anyone ever. I love that. I love that. I need that because I'm like, here's why I want to like please everybody. Um, Okay. I love that. And then I like that you said you can also step down as a bridesmaid because we've gotten some questions about that too. And it's like, yeah, don't 
put yourself through this if you don't want to be doing it. It's a job. It's a job. And if you've said yes to being a bridesmaid, you might not realize for that wedding how much the job is. And if you're starting to notice you can't do it anymore, save the friendship. You're going to save the friendship, by the way, by backing out rather than doing it and doing it horribly and and resenting the bride. So honestly, just say to the bride that you just can't do it anymore and you're going to be able to help how much you can. And that's it. I love that. Okay. So second question. So in your experience, like being a professional bridesmaid, do you see a lot of brides paying for the bridesmaids hair and makeup as like a gift? You know, sometimes I see brides doing that. They'll pay for the hair and makeup. They'll pay for the bridesmaid dress. I don't think there's any rule over who should pay for what, but I do think it should be communicated. Like, Hey, if you're going to pay for this yourself, you can choose whatever dress you want and you don't have to pay for hair and makeup. Like, I think if you're going to ask people to get hair and makeup done or get a dress, they should be able to pay what they want or what they can, or else you should pay for it. So I think that that should be normalized. I think we should stop forcing people to shell out money for something that we're asking them to do. In friendship, that's not normal on an everyday basis. So why are we doing it here? That's so true. That's actually very true about the dress. It's like the the brides that have a specific color scheme and then they're just like, you have to get a dress that's like in this color, but like let leave it up to them to choose. I feel like that's kind of the best scenario because it's yes. like you get to pick your own dress at your own price point. And you're happier. Yeah, you're happier. And especially when you're a bridesmaid in more than one wedding, it's like they add up, man. Oh, man. So kind of going off that question, I don't know if this is like if there's even an answer to this one, but people asked, what's the average cost of a a bridesmaid should expect to pay for just like everything? I think like the national average is like almost close to a thousand dollars, which I think is absurd, by the way. I think instead, you know, when you are accepting being a bridesmaid, you should have that conversation of like, look, do you know how much it's going to cost? Like, do you know what would be expected of me so that you can at least know that? But honestly, I think like, A, you should be paying for your own dress, what you can afford. And B, like the other, the other things you're going to have to pay for are the events, like the bachelorette Bachelorette. party or the bridal shower and then contribute what you can. So I think nobody should ever say no to a, being a bridesmaid because they can't afford it. I think that's that's really messed up. If you're the bride and people are saying no because they can't afford it, I think instead you should say to people like, hey, I want you to be my bridesmaid and I don't want you to pay a ton of money to do this. So like, let's figure out mm-hmm. how we can make it work so that you're comfortable kind of thing. Like, Money shouldn't come in the right. way of this at all. Right. And as the bride too, I feel like like I know one of the most expensive things personally from planning my own can be the bachelorette. And it's like, I told my, I invited my bridesmaids. I have 10 of them, by the way. And then some friends too. So like I invited a total of like 14 ish people, I think. And I told the whole group, I was like, look, this, we're going to Tulum, Mexico. It's international. Like if you cannot afford it, please do not feel bad. Like I know you guys are in other weddings. You have other things going on in your your lives. Like we're going to try to make it as cheap as possible. We're going to really do our research to get the best deals. But I was like, if you can't afford it, I will not hold this against you. Like I literally, who knows where I'll be when you guys get married and have your bachelorettes. So I think just like, yeah, just being an understanding bride. And if you want them all there, then guess what? Plan a cheap, more affordable bachelorette that everybody can afford so that you can have them all there. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then some people were asking, what are just some like good gifts for bridesmaids? I think the more realistic you could be, the better. Like, okay, here's one I just thought of. What about giving them a gift card? Like a gift card to something, right? You know, like they I love they that. don't need another robe. They don't need a tote bag. They don't need a shot glass that says bridesmaid. But like, we all need a gift card to our favorite store or to get- I love a gift card. So like, okay, you know what? Like I would love a gift card to like take out. So that like, that's something mm. I'm going to use, you know? Yep. So like that yep. I think is like a great personalized gift for your bridesmaids. Yep. I love that. Okay. Another question, how to tell your bridesmaid to dye her hair or change her look, like cover up her tattoos for the wedding day? Or do you not think the bride should do that? I don't think you should do that. I think if you're asking a person to take on the honor of being your bridesmaid, it's because you love them as they are. So I don't think it's necessarily Mm -hmm. appropriate to ask them to change themselves. So I think maybe have a conversation with yourself as to why you're asking this, like what's the underlying reason and then approach it from that angle. But I think like, remember, this is an honor that you're giving your friend or your family member. Like 
that means like you should be embracing who they are. They shouldn't be changing themselves for your look, for your wedding, for your photos. Right. It's just photos. Right, right. One bright one um, audience member DM'd and asked, she was like, but my sister has bright like neon red hair. And I I was thinking about that and I was like, okay, yeah, that like would really suck because it would be it would be attention grabbing and grab the eye in the photos. But at the same time, it's like, okay, what she's going to be in like a couple full wedding party photos and like a family photo like it'll be. And I always say too, like, I don't know if this is a selfish way to look at it, but like as the bride only care what you look like. Like I care that I'm looking my freaking best on the day of like if my bridesmaids want to look amazing great if they don't i don't i could care less like and seriously like how often do you look at all of your pictures usually you look at the picture of you and the person you're marrying and those pictures like mm-hmm. very rarely do you look at the pictures with your sister in it and also like it's gonna i know it's not ideal now but you're gonna look back and that's gonna be her in this moment of time and there's beauty to that you know like that's like that could be like a fun moment in the future to look back on too Totally. Okay. So last question about bridesmaid etiquette, how to be, how, what are some tips? Like how can you be a good bridesmaid during these uncertain times? I think rather than asking, how can I help? Because you know, you want to help your friend, but how can I help is such an open-ended question. Like put time Mm -hmm. on that person's calendar, call them out of the blue, ask them how they're doing, maybe send them a gift card for takeout so that they could have like a nice meal one night while they're doing wedding planning stuff. But also just be present, just show up as much as you can. Everything you would to be a good friend, just just do that like times five when someone's getting married because they're going through a lot of like stressful moments. Weddings bring out a lot of family dynamics, family problems, like a lot of mental health issues sometimes too from the person or the people around them. So just being able to provide any kind of support goes such a long way. That's so true. And like, just honestly, like, yeah, like saying like, how can I help? That's like easy and almost like the lazy thing. It's like, just step up and do it. it. Like, just help. But at the same time, also, I think brides don't be afraid to tell your bridesmaids exactly how they can help and, you know, put them to the test because we need them. Uh, Well, thank you so much, Jen. I could literally talk to you about everything that you have in your life going on for the rest of the entire day. Um, And I wish I could. But for now, where can everybody find you? You can find me jenglance.com, bridesmateforhire.com on Instagram at jenglance or at bridesmateforhire. And thank you so much again for having me. This is always so much fun. Of course. I mean, you're just very on brand for Betcha's Brides because, again, we we deal with the interpersonal issues all the time. So uh, thank you again. And till death do us part. The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Nicole Pellegrino, Sean Kilby, and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales-Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.